I'm Ashley Baxter, the founder of With Jack. And after so many years helping freelancers stay in business, I'm no stranger to the kinds of problems you face. But freelancing doesn't mean having to face these problems alone. In a lot of these situations, there is help available. I'd like to share these stories with you so that you can be a confident freelancer. Today we hear from Chris Wilson, a multidisciplinary designer and founder of Stickman, a one-man design studio specialising in brand, packaging and visualisation. Chris shares his experience of pursuing a late payment through small claims court. We've definitely seen a rise in payment disputes, which I would imagine is largely due to the impact of COVID on businesses. So this does feel like a timely episode and I hope that you find it useful. If you do find yourself in a similar situation to Chris and you have legal expenses insurance, consider using the debt recovery service where a solicitor will chase overdue invoices on your behalf or the legal advice helpline can assist you. Chris ran into problems with his first freelance product design job after leaving university. His job was to produce 3D models and tech spec sheets at a cost of around £3,000. After handing over the project files and receiving payment with no problem, the client returned with a branding project for Chris to be involved in to the value of £1,600. I'd worked with the client in a previous project, so there hadn't been any issues with payment before or how we'd worked together. So I'd went into this second project with a level of trust and confidence that it would go the same way. Usually there are red flags with projects, a few patterns of bad behaviour that plant a seed of doubt in your mind. But in this case, there weren't any red flags. In fact, as Chris mentioned, there was a level of trust and confidence going into the next phase of the project because they'd worked together before. It wasn't until the files were handed over for phase two of the project that the problems began. Initially, there was no red flags or anything to be concerned about. It wasn't until the project was complete and the invoice wasn't paid after the 28-day terms that I became a bit suspicious. I spoke with others involved in these business and some of the external suppliers on the project, and that's when I could see a pattern emerging, that a lot of them were in the same boat as me. Things like unpaid invoices, requests for payment extensions, and just a kind of general lack of communication from the client. It was at that point that I knew that something wasn't right. Chris got in touch with his client to see what the problem was, and he tried a few things to accommodate them, like adding a payment extension. But... After going back and forth, Chris reached a point where he knew that his client wasn't taking him seriously. He said that he would pay me when he saw fit and he stopped bothering Shortly after this, he began ignoring my calls, messages and emails. Um, I'd even tried to reason with the client regarding the payment due. But once he began dismissing me, I knew that I had to take action. I've mentioned in past episodes about weighing up whether it is worth pursuing late payments with drastic measures like small claims court because it can require a lot of time, energy and even money with no guarantee that you will receive the payment. Here's what Chris had to say about that. Pursuing money through the courts wasn't a process that I had been through before. Um, I suppose I hadn't really considered the financial outlay involved in going through the legal system. In the small bit of research that I did do, I seen that the costings for the application and the summons were about £65, so I figured it was worth a try. 
Um, the project that I was doing was actually through freelance. I had a full-time job at the time, um, which, which had a salary, so I wasn't reliant on the money as such. But I had spent a good deal of time on the project and I'd added value to the client's business. So for him to use the work and feel that he didn't have to pay, it did make me want to pursue the payment more at a principle rather than the cost involved. Chris sent a cease and desist letter to his client stating that he was knowingly using his work in the public domain and if he didn't remove it or pay the outstanding invoice, Chris would have no choice but to take legal action. The client actually had a really interesting and stupid response to this. He claimed that he now didn't like the work, therefore shouldn't have to pay for it. And this angers me on so many levels. It just goes to show some clients will say anything to worm their way out of paying. I mean, the client had been using the work in the public domain without any complaints. This was clearly just another excuse. Chris gave his client one last chance to transfer the payment or he would take him to court. The client ignored Chris and what ensued was a lengthy battle of trying to obtain payment through small claims court. Because the value of the invoice was relatively low, I mentioned before it was around £1,600, Chris chose to represent himself in court, which added another layer of stress. As the amount was relatively low, I didn't enlist the services of a solicitor and I chose to represent myself in court. It was really quite scary, it's, it's so official. Um, and it did cause me some sleepless nights. But it was the only way I could pursue the money, so I didn't really have a choice um, at the time, and I'd exhausted all other avenues of getting the money. Now, as somebody who has fortunately never had to experience small claims court, I was curious to hear exactly what it entailed in terms of preparation. The online application was relatively simple. It just required me to explain the circumstances and the reason for the summons. And then it was just a matter of collating the relevant evidence. So in my case, it was things like email communication, examples of the work carried out, and just evidence uh, of what you've been used by the client. And then that was then used in court to determine the viability of the claim. Chris attended court a total of five times, taking time off work to do so. Did he feel that it was worth it? I suppose I'm happy I went through the process uh, from a learning experience point of view. It's helped me understand what's involved in pursuing a non-payment through the courts. But I would say I don't think it's something that I would go through again. It's not really left me with a great deal of faith in the small claims system. I think Facebook going through it again, I would just cut my losses and not pursue it, um, especially for such a low amount. I think the costs involved things like loss earnings, we're taking time off work to attend court as well as the kind of mental stress and anguish of it all, um, it wasn't worth it, especially in, in my case, because I wasn't successful in recovering the money or any of the expenses associated with the case. Chris mentioned that he wasn't successful in recovering his money. After beginning the process of the Small Claims Court application in September 2010, attending court a total of five times between March 2011 and June 2011, the client failed to attend any of the summons. This meant Chris was granted the full amount payable, plus expenses and interest. However, despite that feeling like a successful outcome, it fell apart at the next stage of the claim, which was to have sheriff's officers enforce the procurement of the claim at a further cost of £120. And unfortunately, they were unable to enforce the decree. 
Now, this does feel like such a horrible outcome for Chris, but I've no doubt that he learned a lot from the experience. And in some ways, although I'm sure he didn't feel this way at the time when it was happening, it was actually good to get this bump in the road out of the way so early on in his career so that he could approach future projects differently. I asked Chris what procedures he's put in place since this experience. I've put a number of procedures in place since um, that now help protect me when beginning a new project with my clients. All projects now start with signed contracts that outline in detail the project deliverables so that the client knows exactly what the project involves. Um, I request a preliminary payment of 50% upfront in order to book in and commission the projects. There's milestones in place for client sign-off and as an extra safety net, um, I've got professional indemnity insurance. Oof, I have to say, as a risk-averse insurance broker, I do like the sound of all of that. And whilst nothing guarantees projects will run without a hitch and all clients will be perfect, these measures will reduce the risk of things going wrong and increase the likelihood of being able to sort issues out with as little headaches as possible if they do arise. I don't think it's any single uh, one of these things that I've put in place that guarantee uh, smooth sailing client relationships, but I think a combination of all of them um, and the ability to recognise kind of red flags early on with clients, that gives me a lot more confidence when working with new and existing clients. I asked Chris if he had any other takeaways he wanted to share. Over to you, Chris. Most clients are great, um, just other good human beings doing a job and they want the best outcome. And it's great to give others the benefit of the doubt and be trusting of each client that you work with. But circumstances in business can change. And you don't want to be in a position of a he said, she said scenario with no proof or evidence of accountability. I'd say get things in writing uh, for everything, no matter how small the project, if there are any changes to the project, added scope, get them all in some form of written confirmation. It's just good protection for both the client and yourself should things take a negative turn. I mentioned briefly about the legal expenses product. If you find yourself in this situation or a similar situation, then you do have a couple of options if you have legal expenses insurance. The first is to utilise the debt recovery service, which is where a solicitor chases overdue invoices on your behalf. And the other option is to give the Legal Advice Helpline a call and they can assist you with late payment reminders, uh, preparing for the small claims, um, court experience if you do end up going that route. We actually just published another episode about that, episode number 48, I believe, which was a law firm having a law firm on retainer. So there is help available. You don't have to go through these things alone. And thanks so much to Chris for sharing his experience with us. We will link to Chrissy's website and social media accounts in the show notes. I'm Ashley, the founder of With Jack. Thank you for listening to Unsure Insure. If you enjoyed the episode and you did learn something new, then tell a friend and leave a review.